Welcome back to the Poor Sports Podcast. We're back in person today. We uh, we gave the remote thing a try. It worked fine. Yeah. Well, it's going to, we'll, regardless of how it works, it will be the situation. It'll, at times. it'll be our situation ship for a while. I'm and sure. we talked about the main reason why, which is a, has a, it's been a thing looming over this podcast that it's you were deal. not aware of. It's as a, a big listener. deal that most people, actually, most people listening probably do know because the only people that listen know us personally. <laughs> But if you I'd don't like to think there's a, a handful okay. <laughs> of strangers out there. If you don't know us personally, then yeah, there's some news we have to share. Um, we also talk about a lot of sports topics today. We get to a bunch of them. Uh, LeBron and the Lakers get swept by the Nuggets, and LeBron had some news to share of his own after the game, <laughs> yes. which we'll talk about. Uh, Tom Brady is uh, he's made a career change, yeah, but still in the NFL. So we'll touch on referee. That a little- Right. He's becoming a referee. Could you imagine? The camera's off again. Motherfucker. This is a... It doesn't I, like you. Yeah. Can you imagine? I, it's, I not, do, it's not going to do it. I, I just do leave it alone. Okay, It'll be fine. fine. It's going to be fine. There's a, a, a basketball referee who used to be a former player for the Pacers, Haywood Workman, who you might remember because he was from wow. the... the, what, the what really a generic... Yeah. Haywood Workman. That would be like the name on like Arch Rivals that they have for somebody where <laughs> well, you're like... He was definitely like a scrappy off the bench guy for the Pacers. I don't even know if he's still officiating, but I know that he he's like the only guy I know of that transitioned from player in his sport to official in his sport. Well, he's, Which, yeah, I was gonna say it would have been interesting if he was like six foot eight because that's a very distracting referee. But he's six <laughs> two. That's probably yeah, it says somewhere. It says he's still a ref too, so good for him. Um, but yeah, no, Tom Brady is not a referee, but he is sticking around in the NFL with a new career. So we'll talk about that. Uh, a couple weeks back, we we brought up the story of Glenn Kuyper, the Oakland A's broadcaster, who had some choice words after visiting a museum. <laughs> and that's that's probably the last time he'll ever go to a museum because uh, his he's he's going to be making a career change now, <laughs> willingly or unwillingly. So we'll talk about that. And then we have to talk about uh, one of our local players in Seattle that's having a career renaissance, yes. for, even for his relative young Resurrection, age. I'd almost call it. Yes. Uh, he's, he's among the post-hype prospects, if you will, a term yes. that gets thrown around a lot in baseball. But we got to talk about Jared Kelnick, so we'll touch on him a little bit. And then, of course, we play the home run game with... Uh, I would say some surprising and shocking results today. <laughs> we say that every time, and it's never a lie. It actually is it, never it a lie. It never is. I mean, the last last week, me getting Lou Gehrig within three is insane. I don't even. Crazy. I, I could not do. I could not replicate that again ever. That was. Yeah. It was like a complete fluke. But the process works. The process of deducing how many home runs somebody has. It's a good. It's an algorithm that that works. It's a very slow moving algorithm. It is. It, it moves out. slow, but it worked for you today. Yes. Uh, we'll see how it worked for me. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we got a lot to touch on, and uh, you've got some shows coming up. Yes, this Friday, uh, Bickerson Brewhouse, Bickerson's Brewhouse in Renton, Washington, the small one. I will be there too. So if you've ever wanted to hang out with both of us at the same time, this is your chance. Well, you can hang out with Alex for the first ninety minutes, and then me after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please buy a shirt. Uh, and then June twenty fifth will be. The, it's the last show I'm headlining before we have a kid. 
Uh, very likely that could change if anyone books me. Uh, but it's the last one I have on my calendar and, and the last one my wife has approved. Everything beyond that requires, uh, we need a notary and, uh, whoever to, so June 25th, the new Tacoma comedy club location on sixth Avenue and Proctor in Tacoma. Um, get those tickets. I've had a bunch of people hit me up. I can only give out so many free tickets folks. So you gotta go get those tickets, you know? Yeah. Me though, right? You yes, you were in. You were in. I had a guy uh, hit me up who I almost guarantee doesn't listen to this podcast, but a guy that follows me on TikTok who I'm. He's like, my parents, I think are gonna go. How do I go about getting tickets? And I'm like, have you never bought a ticket online before? Like, are your parents hard up for cash? Yeah, I mean, if they, like maybe if we get close, I could get his parents in for free. But for now, like, it's let's... it's tough to give away free tickets to a hundred seat venue. Yeah, you know, it's one thing if you're filling an auditorium that sure. holds thousands of people, but yes. for a hundred seat venue, you give away. You know, you can easily count the percentage of yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, of tickets it's, you're giving away. It's very easy the to math do the math. Is very easy. It's very easy. <laughs> if I give away one, that's one percent. Yes, that's right. All right, uh, and then I'm at the Casey McLean everywhere. At Alex SSN everywhere. Only on Twitter. Stay away from him on the other apps. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're back with the the poor sports podcast, which we'll, we will have already said, but uh, it's it's good. Everything uh, seems to be recording. Our cameras are turned on. We're yes, for now. We are back to a professional operation. No remote podcast this week. Yeah, we in person. It's nice to have that happen. Get zero feedback, but assume people hated it. <laughs> like, I didn't. I listened back. I didn't like it, but that's just because I noticed all the flaws in my. Recording equipment. Sure. Which, which is. We uh, can fix this. these problems, though. These are. They are fixable. Because, by the way, folks, like, I got a kid on the verge of. Not on the verge. Like, not. It's not like my wife's at the hospital delivering You're right now. You're a few now. weeks away. A few weeks away. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, a couple months away. Yeah. Almost. I keep wanting to say a couple months. It's pr- yeah. yeah. It's like less than two months away from this new kid arriving. Yeah. We're going to have some fucking remote shows, you know? I have a kid coming too. I have never, oh, never said that do here. Do you? I just the reason I want to tell people I also have a kid coming is it makes the the next few weeks of shows for both you and I yeah. so much more limited because we might both have our kids and then be like we're never doing this again. That is extremely possible. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be like uh, it'll be like a one season wonder, and, yeah, and that's all you get, and that's fine. I. I was explaining this to my wife the other day. I was like, you know, if we decided next week to just stop doing this, I'd be okay. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> no, that sounds really bad. That sounds Holy really bad. Shit. But I was like, if but my I was, wife said that to me, I would fucking cry. <laughs> I was like, but but I like doing these shows. So it's like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like I like coming over here and doing this and I'm not going to stop doing that unless we have to and other things take priority, but uh you know, it's just fun to do. It's just fun to come over here and chat for an hour or two yeah. every, every week. Well, do you ever did you ever have this experience um, when you were like early in dating where you just had so little going on in your life that any time a woman talked to you, you'd be like, fuck, that's the thing I'm going to care about for the next several months? Oh, I think, yeah, most guys are like that. Unless yeah. unless you're just the type that uh, that just bounces around. Yes. Which is, that's not us. We've, we've, <laughs> we've already determined neither of us were or, yeah. or are that you, type. Um, you go into the bubble. 
You go into the, yeah. the dating bubble, whoever you're with. And there's some guys that are, I mean, everybody's there's got. guys that are in and out of the transfer portal constantly. Yeah, they're, you know? they're, everybody's got those friends that are, uh, they just fall off the face of the earth when they're dating somebody. And, yeah. and you just don't see them for months and months until that relationship fizzles. And then you get to spend your time together and then they find a new one and they're gone again. Yeah. I, I tried in all my previous dating experiences not to be that bad, but. Mm-hmm. I'm sure to some people I probably was. Well, but I even mean like like when um, you're early in your career, when you're just insecure about anything, you're like, fuck, this is like could be the only thing. So like yeah. I uh, this will be the thing that I obsess about. And then you reach an age of maybe it's just exasperation with life. And you're like, I can only worry about so much. Yeah. So it's like if we do the podcast has been fun every episode. Yeah. But also, it's not like your and my income depend on it. And (laughs) so, in fact, it could probably only, like, function to hurt your income at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why I enjoy doing this. I mean, I'm kind of at the point where, like you said, I only want to do things that I actually enjoy doing. Right. So, I mean... Over the years, believe it or not, I've actually turned down a few podcasts. My uh, invitation from me included, by the uh, way. Because I just didn't want to do it at the time. I mean, yeah. everybody has competing priorities in their lives. And I think, you know, anytime you're doing something you actually want to do, it's going to be worth everyone's time. You sure. know, especially something like this. If we're doing this and we both want to be here, I would hope that would make people more inclined to listen. Yeah. But I understand if people don't want to listen, kind of it's the same reason why we want to be here. A lot of people don't want to be here. That's totally fine. Do yeah. do you, man? Do I do I do like that those folks aren't incredibly vocal also though. Like I don't need yeah. to know when you unsubscribe. Just hey, fucking do it. If you want to be apathetic, just don't let me know. Be truly apathetic. <laughs> yeah, I, so I mean we still like live show whatever still would like to do that. Also, by the way, this we will have said this in the, in the intro, but uh, big you're going to be at the show, um, Bickerson's Brew House. Yeah, this, it's this Friday. It it's, came together very quickly. Your your buddy it, Frank, who I've still yet to meet in person. Wow, yeah, no, he's he's very excited. I just I hung out with him one week ago today, in fact, and uh, he's very much looking forward to it. I'm going to be there. I think they're going to sneak me into a back entrance as a VIP. No, I'm just kidding. Damn. I don't even think they have a back I have entrance. to go through the front and set up the sound equipment, and you come in and just fucking... I just get to be there for the party. Yeah. I don't have to do any of the uh, the setup work. Well, that made it worse. That I plugged this into power. And I don't know what you plugged in, but... It, I just don't want the, the battery to die. It definitely feels shit. like there's power going through it, from yeah, what I can Maybe hear. into our bodies, even. <laughs> I'm going to turn it down. I don't think we can live without the power, which is really unfortunate because of that <laughs> horrific noise this thing is making. Maybe if I do all that now, I don't Fuck, that is so, that is unmanageable. That is a terrible noise. <laughs> no, it's pretty It's pretty awful. God damn. Hey, you fixed it. Well, yeah, kind of. I, I unplugged it from... Take, a, taking away power will uh, will fix the noise, I guess. Yeah, the noise seems to be power-related. <laughs> And, and it's e- equally bad worse arguably yeah how about here let's see if we plug it in here this is a real fucking this is by the way your wife's worst nightmare for a podcast how much does oh. your wife notice that i i mention how much she hates she notices it so much that she said the joke is dead <laughs> <laughs> she's she's the one that's letting us know she unsubscribed yeah no oh, she man. still listens uh so we at least have one listener but yeah. uh yeah, I want to get you one of those uh, cord management systems. You know the little cord I know. manager thing. We'll make it better when we uh, when we move <laughs> to the other room. 
There's I a have, lot of cords in here. My desk at home has a just a little circle. It's a very simple desk. It's like a butcher board desk, but it's got the circle to like cable manage. And that's like the, that's the basics of what I need. I just need the little circle to stick yeah. everything through, and it makes me feel feel better about life. Um, it's the one thing I can control. I mean, I think that's a really <laughs> crude way to describe your wife, but that's uh, <laughs> the. Uh, uh, the circle to stick oh, you okay. get it you get it you get sure. uh, maybe maybe we don't need to we don't need to um belabor that anymore uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll make this a little bit prettier i would say cable <laughs> management is not my strong suit i have uh, recently spent some time watching a man run cables at the new tacoma comedy club location and i have a new respect for cable management because there's like a like a the the width of like the wide end of a baseball bat worth of like HDMI microphone speaker, like wow. all those cables, like all those together going through these. I mean, like they're cutting holes through beams and shit like that to yeah. to manage these cables. And I'm like, I mean, look at this fucking mess. This one thing about this though is this has literally come together week by week. Like I'm slowly piecing more because we didn't have the original plan for this, which we've talked about on this podcast is was to do it live. Yeah. And now we're not doing it live. And so the it has necessitated making this better. Yeah. But in the process, I'm just adding new cables every fucking week <laughs> with no regard for new where they're technology. Go. Yeah. No, I mean cable management the, like a couple of weeks ago when the AC installers came to my house, it looked like Frankenstein just chopped up shit and Damn. repatched drywall i mean they they put a cable management like a little tube they put it sure. through a little tube and attach it to the wall but it's not a little tube yeah <laughs> it's a it's a giant ass tube and then the the wires within it are, are very small so it seems excessive doesn't look very pretty people you know this is it's a real thing it's a yeah. skill you could put that on your resume if you can if you can learn how to manage cable we also uh thank you for reminding everyone that i'm unemployed um <laughs> We also have, uh, like, our, our TV has yeah. a similar affliction. Yeah. And uh, we have the channel stuff for it. We have a, uh, a um, like, a mount for our TV. Our house yeah. is built weird. It was built in 1910, so it's not... Back when they, uh, they weren't managing cables as often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're mounting fewer TVs on the wall, let's yeah. say. And, uh, yeah, and so we have that mount, but it's like, you know, we're... We also have like some, our furniture is some like combination of shit we had in college, shit we've bought as adults. Yeah. And it's like, it feels stupid to completely refurnish an entire house. But you're also like, we got this thing from like Goodwill. It was, by the way, so expensive for Goodwill still. It's like this Good, big. Goodwill charges a lot of money for their stuff. You don't realize. Right. <laughs> so this big, fucking enormous, heavy, like thing dresser uh not not it's like a maybe a vanity would be technically but it's like not even it's just it's like 300 pounds and it's got so much shit in it that i'm like we can't i mean i would love listen a dream world we switch to one of these like modern like little tiny boxes or little tiny tables yeah. and there's one thing on it and then everything else is like run through the wall yeah and maybe we'll get there but for now we got a mess and we got to figure out how we're going to mount things permanently. And then also you got to worry about these children. Yeah. Which the, let's not ignore that you announced in a such an emphatic way. I the way I've been the way we've told I mean we're having our first kid in September and uh you know the thing about having kids is that 
everybody else wants to make it a bigger deal sure than you do generally i think that's that's because no one knows how to react okay yeah. there's, there's two types of reactions people that already have kids will react in a pretty normal fashion to this news people that don't have kids i, I think they feel like they have to overreact to news sure. about children because they don't know they don't they don't know what it's going to be like and granted i'm still in the place where i don't really know <laughs> Yeah, because I don't have a. They child have to yet. prove they don't hate kids. Exactly, but that's not the reason yeah, yeah. why they don't have kids. That, that, there is a reality to how people react to news about you having a kid, and so we've just kind of very nonchalantly told people here and there. Uh, at this point, we've told pretty much everybody that needs. I mean, you've known for months at this point. Yeah, well, I knew before it was like I was even supposed to know. Yeah, because when. The podcast started, or at least when the seeds of the podcast started, we actually had just gotten pregnant. And I told you before you were, I should have told you, and you were even more of a bad boy than me (laughs) because you, yeah, it was like, I was like, okay, this is like a, an obstacle we're going to have coming up. And you're like, well, I'll one up you with an additional obstacle a couple months later. What we'll do is we'll just transition from sports to parenting. (laughs) Yes. And no one will ever see it coming. You can just put a parenting tag on the podcast in a couple months and we'll be the best there's ever been at giving you parenting advice. So, well, I I didn't know. I had Richland trip, uh, which isn't even the city. It's just the city that I go to the most. It's closest to where my show was. Yeah. But I don't, I would like to, if you're okay with this, I know you have some privacy that you'd like to keep for your wife and all that, but like, let's talk about it now that it's out in the open. Cause that's the other oh, thing too. Is talk about it we've had a okay. couple moments on the podcast that we've acknowledged off the podcast where it was like very close to accidentally being said, and we would have edited it out. We wouldn't have just let yeah. it go through. That's the benefit of not live streaming. But there's been moments where we've talked about stuff. I've talked about parenting stuff that I think you maybe held back on weighing in on in yeah. certain ways. Or one time I actually almost just said, you're about to have a kid too, which was yeah. like, and then I think you said you kind of came close and then it was before you had reached yeah. the like the point where it was like the maybe 20th week or something like that. Yeah. I don't think we were, we were never like too worried about letting people know in general. We just sure. wanted to make sure we told all the people that really mattered before other people sure. found out. I think, Man, the, anytime you have news like that, like you're getting like life changing news, you're getting married, you're getting a house, you got a new job, you're having a child. The people in your life, they feel like you feel an obligation to let people know yeah. that news, right? It just, it's kind of a weird place to be because you're like, I don't really want to <laughs> tell everybody about this. I want it to just kind of happen naturally and we can all enjoy the moment. But everyone feels like they have a right to that news. And, of course, then when people find out late, they're like, I had no idea. And it's like, well, yeah, of course you didn't have any idea. No one told you. Yeah. <laughs> well, like- also, I, I – uh, so we I will say this. We told – my mom, my, my parents and my in-laws first yeah. and early. Cause part of the thing for us was in both cases, the, the pregnancy, we discovered it. And then there were like all these drinking holidays in between when we <laughs> yeah, discovered it and when we were going to announce it. Right. That and so you're like, yeah. so yeah. So it was like, you know, we're going to try to, can we figure out a way like to not make it a big spectacle when my wife isn't drinking? Because yeah. I mean, I will drink enough for both of us. Okay. But yeah. when she's not drinking, it's going to be noticeable because we are, we like craft beer. We like that shit. Yeah. And um, so anyways, the first kid we told my sister, my mom or my, my parents and my in-laws for this exact purpose and then we were going to tell other people slowly, kind of like you guys have done. 
But my sister told her, her, her now in-laws, then it was just her boyfriend's parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. And because there was a reason they had like a decent reason to bring it up. Like it was important to, to <laughs> this is why we can't do this thing. It's because of this. But then that lady, my now sit, my sister's mother-in-law, whatever that is to me, my aunt, like, and everybody went out to, to lunch or something. She's like, Oh, and congratulations on your new. And, uh, and my yeah, aunt's yeah. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then she's pissed off justifiably because she found out from some lady that she barely knows. That's like not related to us. And you that's know. honestly the biggest issue with news like this yeah. is that not only, I mean, everybody has people in their life that they can trust friends and family, but even the people that you can trust, like 10% of them is at risk of screwing something up like that. Yeah. <laughs> like accidentally saying something or sometimes I, I swear to God with information like that, there are people that sometimes have their own motives and want to just, they want to be the one to they tell be everybody. Agents of chaos. They, I mean, kind of. They want to be like they. They have a. They have information. It's like in the office when Michael Scott has a secret and he just can't help but tell everybody. He just yeah. wants to be the center of attention for five minutes, you know. And that's everybody wants to do that. It's like we we didn't really care who knew, but we also didn't want to put the burden on people to screw up the information. Yeah. And, well, sometimes and, uh, too, it's funny because I'm, so I'm pretty good at. Not, I mean, I told my wife about your kid, obviously, which I told you I was going to do. Yeah, I know. I told you I was going to do. Um, yeah. I don't think I told anybody else, including people who it wouldn't have mattered, but like as we were talking about these live shows, I've talked to like venue owners or whatever, and they, you know, I'm not like, well, July through September for sure are going to be fucked, and then probably <laughs> for a couple months after that, you know, because yeah. this guy you don't know is his wife's having a kid. I didn't even do that, yeah. but the, uh, the, I, there, so I'm very good at keeping secrets. You are. And yeah. because of that, I'm. Uh, it's funny to me when I realize that somebody's known, like my friend Josh Firestein. Yeah. I've seen him, I've seen him perform many times. Yeah. He just had a huge career thing happen. And I'm sure he's known about it for a little while. There was a time in his career. Again, this kind of goes back to that thing when nothing's going on in your career. You like everything is everything right yeah yeah and then when the more shit happens you're like most stuff is nothing and in this case he was going down this path and maybe he's talked to other friends of his but i'm like oh fuck i'm off this i'm off this secret newsletter like i didn't find out until it actually like you know hours before it got announced publicly <laughs> yeah, yeah and so yeah it was like it was a little bit of like fuck i'm i'm uh you know i'm uh, I, josh I'm a little hurt. You didn't tell me this information. I, I do yeah, like having that. Yeah. I have like some deep inside comedy information <laughs> that nobody would ever trace it back to me if it came out. And I'm, and I, I'm like, oh, well, I've, I've still managed to hold on to it, you know? Yeah. No, I, I totally get that, man. There is uh, every single one of us has a part of us that wants to be privy to information yeah even if like i mean since we are a sports podcast it happens with sports all the time i mean you sure. see people on social media who want to know everything and and you know if you happen to know like we were talking about last week on this show it's like what if i'm telling you something that's 20 percent of what's actually out yeah. there right uh, because you know you just can't tell people everything that's going on and so yeah i mean that happens in life too with with stuff like this but sure. um not in general i mean I, i'm 38 years old, so I'm going to be an old dad. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like being in that spot in my life because I have had a lot of friends who I've seen raise kids, and I know pretty well 
what not to do and what to do <laughs> yeah. you know like you yeah. see you have a lot of examples at this point you have a lot of people to kind of like look at and say okay they really their kids are already screwed up and then there's these other people over here whose kids seem pretty well adjusted and sure um maybe we'll try to do it like that so you know i i can't picture being in my 20s and having a kid and I, yeah. obviously a lot of people do that um and well if, have you thought about this because this was a so i was 33 when our daughter was born i'll be yeah. 37 when our which i think is like the perfect per, you're at a perfect place in life sure at, around 33 yeah to kind of unemployed and uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean no one's ever ready you know they yeah. always say no one's ever ready but i always i felt like at this phase in our lives we were very much ready sure so what I realized at 33 is I was like, well, when my daughter is in like middle school or high school, I'm going to be 30 or uh, sorry, 47 when yeah. she enters high school. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to be going to like whatever she does. Let's say it's a uh, she's in band. Yeah. And there's going to be people there who are 32, had kids at 18. But what that really means is that when she's five and in kindergarten, I will be 38. Yeah. And there will be 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds there who I don't like these people now. <laughs> I can't. And at the time, when I was 33, yeah. I didn't like these those people then. Now I'm going to be five years older and more bitter and more cynical. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to like these people more at that point. It's it's interesting because like when we were growing up, there weren't a lot of old parents, it didn't seem like. Sure. Right? Like, you would see your your classmates' parents, and they all looked to be about the same age, right? But yep. every now and then, when you did see one who was older, they really stood out. I mean, I remember I had a neighbor up the street that I went to school with, and her dad looked like Santa Claus. <laughs> you know, and it's like, at first you think, oh, that must be her grandpa, and then sure. you find out it's not her grandpa. How old were your parents when they had you? Uh, right around thirty. Okay. So because that I, even my that was my parents also, and they seemed old at yeah, that time. That's how it seems. Yeah. It's it's all generational. I mean, now everyone has kids so much later than they did even one generation ago. But now my whole thing is like, okay, I'm gonna be an old dad. There's no getting around that. I just have to like look young. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have to look. Oh look no, like we're a, gonna go through an Alex transformation. The where good you thing buy is, it. I'm already bald, so it's not like you're gonna see the hair sure. grow. I just have to get some of that just for you're men get for some the beard. Just for men. Just, just keep it. You should dark. get one of those things. I see. I always see the shorts of them where they like spray paint the beard on. You got to get that <laughs> where it's like a full perfect lines of full just straight jet black beard. Oh, it's too much, man. Yeah, no, it's you got to look like a lot. video game character. I would, or a Lego. I would probably do the uh, just for men touch of gray. Just keep it salt and sure. pepper. Sure. once it goes totally gray yeah. yeah um but yeah man it's yeah i mean i started thinking about those numbers too i was like well i'm 38 now so when this kid's graduating high school i'm gonna be 56 i mean yeah. Jesus. when you also think about it, you're like <laughs> how the fuck do people who are in their early 20s or late teens yeah afford to have a kid because it's so fucking expensive at every turn it is yeah it's really expensive especially around here where the cost of living is just generally yeah. pretty high uh to begin with and like even aside from the financial aspect of it if you think about what kind of idiot you were at that point Dude, in your life you're like how could i have possibly like i look back on myself 10 15 years ago now and i'm like if you would have made me responsible for another person during that time and I'm pretty responsible, yeah. you know, compared to a lot of people. But if I had been in charge of somebody else at that point in time, it would have gone poorly for all of us. It would have gone yeah. bad for me. I would have been a worse version of myself. 
and it probably would have gone bad for the kid too. Yeah, you would you any any savings you make because you had the kid earlier and things cost less, you yeah. lose in legal fees and bail money later when you <laughs> fu- when I would have fucked that kid up if or I had been or, 18, or you, know? you know, I mean, best case scenario, those people I know who got married in their early 20s and had kids they're paying for their midlife crises now. Yes. Worst case scenario, much much worse. It gets a lot more, a lot darker than that. But a lot of them have already gotten divorced. More more likely, they're just paying for the midlife crises. You You're paying. You'll be paying for an end of life crisis when the when the kid I will comes. be paying for my own coffin. But. Yes. Yeah. So that's like because I'm 36. You're 38. Yeah. I uh, like I said, I'll be 37. Are you guys done? Don't having kids? No. Well, we might have. My my wife's a lot younger than me. She's she just turned uh, thirty one this year. Attaboy. So I mean, we could easily keep this train rolling if we sure. wanted to. But that just puts a lot of pressure on me to like not kill myself. Yes. <laughs> no, yes. Not actively kill myself. I'm saying like. I gotta stay in shape. I gotta like, yeah. you know. No, I know that's fucked up, man. There's a, there's I, a longevity aspect that I started I've never, eating lettuce. <laughs> well, I know ne- you never think about it when it's just you or mm-hmm. whatever. You're like, if I live, I live. If I don't, if I if I make it to a hard fast fifty, great. Yeah, <laughs> the streets got me. Yeah, just like I thought they would. Uh, but then when you have a kid or you're about to have a kid, you're like, well, boy, I really don't want to be decrepit when they are in the prime of their lives. I want yep. to make sure that I can take care of them. Well, and yeah. I'm also sure, I'm sure you will have this experience also, but I think of this stuff, You, it's crazy how much darker your fears get when you're, like you worry about being poor when yeah. you're, when you don't have kids. Yeah. I'm like, Wait, I don't, I don't get to see this kid like become a grandparent. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. I should get to see the whole thing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm responsible for this. Yeah. And I, you know, like I'm gonna, I have to. At some point, I'm checking out, and I want to see as much of her developing and becoming a human being as possible. You know, that's the. Oh, for sure. I mean, I've, I've already thought about this. I'm like, if I'm lucky, I will be able to watch my child become a parent. I'll be yeah. able, I'll be able to make it to being a grandparent but even then i'll be like at the upper reaches you know if, if, they get, if your kid has a kid the same age as you it'd be you'd tough. be 76 <laughs> when you become a grandparent for the first yeah time. i wouldn't be good for much at that point yeah. going to the casino sitting there playing the slots yeah <laughs> and i also think about stuff like um well so we started so we watched a bunch of shows my wife has these like sentimental attachments to shows and she yeah. likes like wholesome family shows not wholesome in that like there's no swearing or adult, but like, it's like about families that are succeeding as families. Right. And parenthood, uh, this is us, these kinds of shows. Sure. And we watched parenthood before we had a kid Mm -hmm. and before we had a kid, I had never cried at a movie. I had never cried at a TV show. Like I was a heartless, (laughs) soulless bastard. Yeah. And then, we ha- we have oh, she's pregnant and there's this movie called About Time. Have you ever heard of that? I'm gonna cry. I've seen I'm I've seen the movie. I've seen the it. movie a couple times. It's gotcha. a good movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah, well, it will fuck you up when you watch it as a parent. Yeah. Uh, maybe it you know that and then like the yeah anything where it's like a kid a dad and their child I'm ruined. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, like can't, I don't even want to watch it. I'm not like I'm not <laughs> even though I'm more connected to it emotionally now. That's exactly why I don't want to watch it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you, you're, you're living it. You're living it. You don't need to compound it with these with these shows and these movies yeah. that are meant to evoke those emotions that you already feel. Out yes. Of you. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Father's Day is coming up, so I mean, I'm you, sure have, you have that to look forward yes. to, I guess. <laughs> yes, you have to wait a year to, to, I will to have qualify. To wait a year. You know, your eligibility doesn't start until I know. September. Although I did get my, I did get my wife. A Mother's Day gift, a yeah, very small, well, just something small. Is it know. life unfair? Uh, yeah, it's pro. I don't know. I mean, I just got her. It was just like a, a pregnancy shirt that had like a little baby on the belly. Oh, that's cute. But, but it was Baby Yoda. Oh, that's cute. It says naps and snacks. It's a good shirt. That's what, well. That is one. That is a Mother's Day gift that you can only give pre-birth. You yeah. Can't, if you gave it to her after, It'd that would weird. be quite insulting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, we, we're in, we're preparing for that sort of thing, but it, it, we're like. More just over three months away now, and I we've basically done nothing sure. <laughs> I mean, as far as home goes. Like we got to build out a nursery. We already have a room dedicated to it. We're gonna have to purge a lot of stuff just to like clear out storage space. And sure, stuff. I got some shelves I got to put up in my garage that I haven't done yet. I mean, there's all these things that like every day you wake up and you're like, I should do that, and then you just don't. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the good news is that when you have the kid, you'll just have a lot of energy and free time, so it'll be way <laughs> easier to get that shit up after the kid. Dude, I woke up today very exhausted, and okay, so last night I had. Uh, I play in a couple softball leagues and we had an 830 doubleheader, which is brutal because you're yeah. playing until like 11 p.m. And my body doesn't go to 11 p.m. most nights without doing activity. Sure. <laughs> so to be running around until 11 p.m. is completely different. But I woke up and I was like, man, my body hurts. I didn't get that much sleep. I'm tired. I was like, it's going to be like this every day with the child. Yeah. Every day. You you don't listen, man. I was I've been like working full time doing comedy or working nights and then a second job yeah. or or like when my wife and I started dating we were um long distance so I would like get done with a week of work where I was also a full-time student drive to Ellensburg like I have throughout my 20s I tested how little sleep one needed to yeah. still remain a functioning <laughs> member of society and I will tell you even me the the level of exhaustion that you face is so much it's completely uh, I'm sure there are like, and I'm not even joking. I'm sure there are like, like active duty service members who have this level of exhaustion in their past, or like <laughs> maybe, you know, people who work like long firefighting, like whatever expeditions or something like that. Yeah. There are people who put in at doctors who work 24 on 24 off, whatever the yeah. bullshit is. <laughs> it's literally that it's like everybody faces that like incredibly exhausting level and then it's like you, you just have to figure out when to sleep because that kid's waking up in four hours with the same shitty attitude again <laughs> i will say the one thing about having a, an infant versus uh you have there's like this weird thing there's a blend i think around probably around two which is i think where the terrible twos thing comes from where kids have enough autonomy and not enough um they're still just full psychopaths that they're like so difficult because they can go everywhere. They have language skills, but they have no empathy for anyone else in the world. Sure. Yeah. When they're pretty young, one thing you can do is just like let them be, which you can't do with a four year old. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. can't just you let her go. Start, like, go figure start. it out, kid. You know? Yeah. yeah. My my niece is four. We actually just had her fourth birthday recently. 
And uh, yeah, it's it's the point where you have to start teaching life lessons. Up to yes. that point, it's kind of like, hey, whatever, man. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Well, and before they're walking or crawling, you can really like have some sort of a, a playpen as long as it's within your sight and you don't have your pets jumping and smothering these kids and you keep, <laughs> you know, things they could choke on away from them. Even if they cry a little bit, it's not like I have to get over there. They cut their arm off. Like my daughter can, she knocked a wine bottle off of the wall the other day somehow. And I'm like, that could have killed you. Like you're, <laughs> you're, you're like, you're borderline suicidal right now. Like stop doing this stuff you're doing. Yeah. It's going to be uh it's going to be an adventure. I, you know, everybody, I, I, I actually like hearing parenting advice from a variety of people. Sure. Even the bad ones. Yeah. Because even the bad, like the bad ones even have generally good advice because I don't know. They just do. They've it's, fucked it's up a lot of stuff. It's experience. Yeah. It's like when you start a new job somewhere and you're getting trained, you're going to yeah. get trained by a variety of people. And over time you realize some are idiots and some are really good at their job. Yeah. But all the advice they gave still helped you. Right. Sure. And that's kind of how I feel about just parenting. Sometimes you get advice from someone and you're like, well, I'm never going to do that. That's fucking, that's, <laughs> that seems like thank you for letting idea. me know that was an option like I could choose against. Terrible uh, idea. Yeah. Yeah, the um have you is there any other information you're willing to give about this child? Uh big. <laughs> oh, it's the, big. So the... far as we've as we've had it checked out, yeah, it's going to be a, a large child. Though both uh neither my wife nor I are are particularly tall. I'm 5'10", she's about 5'6". Sure. Uh but we both have the tall gene in our families. Sure. So, I'm really hoping uh you know, we both like sports, grew up playing sports. I'm never going to be the type of parent that, like, pushes my kid to do anything they don't want to do. But this child is going to be exposed to sports very sure. early on because we just watch and play all the time still. So I'm hopeful that they enjoy sports, man. That would be a lot of fun. I, wa- I would love to be, like... Okay, so we're, are you intentionally using, uh, are we omitting sex from this i feel like you're oh, is, is, is yeah. it on purpose uh no, i don't think so i don't know i, I uh well th- it's a they them until they decide okay all right <laughs> jesus jesus i'm just kidding i didn't realize what no, podcast no, i was on no. um oh, that one's not gonna go yeah. go, over, <laughs> go over well oh. keep in mind i was putting that through the vessel of an unborn baby just yeah, remember that i will play it for that unborn baby <laughs> when they are of age to be offended by just it, so. remember that uh no we're having a girl okay so I, uh, you know, people all, of course, when you tell people the gender, they, they immediately, their first question is, well, did you want a girl or did right. you prefer a gender? It's like, I would feel wrong saying I preferred one gender over the other. Sure. That would be, and I really didn't have a preference to be honest. I mean, I, I didn't care. Yeah. I was just happy we could have a child, you know, that's, that's about it. And I know like my, you know, I know some parents, especially dads will, you know, especially if you are a dad that grew up playing sports, really loves sports. Yes. You want to have a son because you want to raise them in the mold of yourself, right? And that's not anything I ever would have wanted to do. If my if my kid wants to play sports, great. I'm going to help you become a better athlete, I guess. I mean, not, sure. I'm not a great athlete now, but I know how to play the games, you know. And my dad did that for me. Well, so you might I, put him in contact with coaches and stuff like that that – like, yeah, like absolutely. Whatever, yeah. But yeah. like, I mean, when I was growing up, my dad just he was never like an organized sports player so much, but he loved sports. Sure. Played, 
you know, pick up everything as a kid and, and love the local teams. And like he instilled that in me. And it's not like he was he wasn't, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant teaching a bunch of kids how to play basketball. But he would go out and throw with us every day, He'd throw the baseball with us all the time, uh, pitch to us all the time. And uh, that just, you know, that made me love playing ball. And it's I mean, I think, you know, as a parent, I don't I don't know how if your kid has an interest in anything, whatever it might be, sports, arts, whatever. um, I think a lot of times you can maybe feel a little lost as to how to like foster that in them. And all you have to do as a parent, because I've seen it with my own parents, is just participate in what they're doing. Sure. Even if you're not the best at it. I have a friend who who has some young kids and his his son uh, is like five years old and wanted to start playing baseball. And my friend is not a baseball player. He didn't grow up playing baseball. But he asked me for advice on like gloves. Like where can I get a good glove? Or like what what glove is good? Because I want to get a glove so I can throw with my son. And like that's that is all you really need to do to be a good parent. Like he might he he doesn't know a ton about baseball. He might not be the best baseball player out there, but he's gonna help his kid become better at it or enjoy doing it just by participating. And regardless if you were a professional baseball player or someone who never played baseball, that kid will eventually hate that you want to play catch with them. It doesn't (laughs) matter. Uh, Yeah, so I'm going to give you my – so we have a daughter. We have another daughter on the way. Yeah. It's an all-girl. I think the name of the podcast is changing from poor sports to girl dads. I think it should be be a cliche from the late – or there's th- there's gonna be three girls. Maybe we call it girls, girls, girls. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Like we'll have the Jay Z song as our uh, as our as our uh, intro. Uh, yeah. Um, I so you say you would feel terrible. One of the nice things about comedy is you get to exercise the demons of when you feel terrible on stage. Because I will <laughs> yeah. tell you, like what I thought I wanted was a boy. I would. I I think that they they a lot of times people will say. Um, I like, I just want a healthy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And that, that is eventually true. And I think the reason it's true though, is not altruism. People make it seem like they don't actually have a preference and I'm not trying to just throw, put you on blast here. The, um, <laughs> I think that the reason I reached a point where I didn't care anymore, uh, was because the whole thing is so scary. Even if it goes well, the whole process yeah. is so scary that like bad news could just be looming around every corner that I'm not going to allow this kid's sex to be bad news. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yeah, such- I feel like if you, uh, if, if you get really hung up on that as a parent, like generally it has to fall on the dad and like, sure. you must not got, have gone to any appointments because at every yeah. appointment, that's where it's like, there has to be some level of anxiety with those mm-hmm. appointments to just, it's like getting, it's the what you feel getting your test scores back from school just every time you go to the doctor. Right? I mean, like, what it's, you it's like know getting you your passed. test scores back from a fucking cancer exam every yeah. time. You're like, there could <laughs> yeah. be just the worst news yeah. every turn. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, like my daughter. First off, no no boy in my family would ever have been at risk of becoming a professional athlete. That whole thing <laughs> is like, you know, that that's all. There's probably genetic elements to it. My family does not possess those genes. Uh, <laughs> So we were safe in that regard. I think, like, you know, my daughter is, so first off, once you have the kid, it's not like I would trade my daughter for any boy I've met. Also, I will say this, (laughs) we went to two birthday parties this weekend, 
And there was like pretty even mix of boys and girls at both the parties. Both had a uh, bouncy equipment of various types. Sure. The difference between young boys and young girls and how they like literally when it was just the girls in the bouncy house, they're like climbing up, taking turns, being polite to each other, going down together, holding hands. <laughs> when it's the boys, they're like climbing up backwards, stepping on the skulls of infants they've like thrown <laughs> over. Like it's they're fucking savages. Yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly. I, I watched my niece last year at the fair get lost in a ball pit. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> They have again. They have zero empathy, and I think I think that like you know it's a stereotype. It's whatever. I think my daughter has gained empathy faster than boys her age. The boys her yeah, age have zero see empathy. I've, I see them at daycare. I see them at these parties. I see them. My wife is a teacher. I see. I was a boy that age. I was a boy. The age is older than her. We lack empathy for a long time. Yeah. No. That that is true. There is kind of like a wild factor that comes along with. Uh, with young boys versus young girls. Yes. So I, yeah, I totally get it, man. I mean, I, you know, it's it's interesting when you're younger, especially you, you think like, okay, when I finally get to the point where I'm going to be a parent, uh, I'm going to change as a person. I will just sure. naturally overnight know what to do. You kind of look at it naively like that with all sorts of milestones in your life. Like, oh, I'm going to turn thirty and then I will be an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to turn forty and then I will be old. You used to and, do that with like because you had these natural breaks where you'd be like, I, you'd be like, next summer I'm going to be or next school year I'm going to be a good student or I'm going to spend yeah, the whole yeah. <laughs> summer practicing right. baseball or well, something and, and like that. People still do it today. Like the people that get real amped about the new year, you're like, sure. God, what is going on in your life? I know that you, <laughs> we have to have a long social media post about how this year is going to be the best year. It's like, yeah. well, that just means every year up to this point has sucked. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I mean, you just kind of realize, Hey man, this is just like part of life and it's going to keep moving along. And probably, you know, outside of the fact that I'll probably be, a wall for a while, <laughs> yes. You know, raising my my child, um, not much changes. And I'm at, I think that's again that's something that you learn. At least for me, I've learned from the other so many friends I've had that have had kids already. Sure, is that you kind of think, oh, because when I think when you're young, when you're young, like you're the first people you know that have children, they do get weird. Because mm-hmm. they have they have no one else to like compare themselves against, right? They they are like, you know, good for them for being the pioneers of your friend group to yes. have kids, but they don't really know how to actually behave like adults. At this point, they're just kind of cosplaying as adults and as Dude, parents. I, which I feel like is a thing you do when you first move in with like a romantic partner anyway, is you're like like I I, yeah. I, I met I used to meet so many of these dudes, they'd be like, Yeah, we just got an apartment together and I'm going home and she's making me dinner and I'm, yeah. you know, giving her my paycheck. And it's like <laughs> it's like this very like this like 1950s yeah, we're simulating yeah. what being in a relationship is that i mean looking back on my 20s in general and i think this is why people our age and older kind of like look down on young adults and, yeah. and when you are a young adult you know thinking back to your own time the you know just kind of disdain a lot of people who are older than you had for you and you don't really comprehend at that point it's because you do watch these people that age just kind of pretend 
to follow the adult playbook, right. not knowing what they're doing. I mean, everyone has their first long-term relationship that they can look at. And you probably look back on that and think like, what the hell was I doing? I didn't yeah. like, I thought our fancy meal was at Olive Garden. You know, <laughs> We got dressed up for that. And yeah. It's like, dude, like as you get older, you kind of realize that you didn't have to do things like the way you saw them on TV, but you just don't know any better. You yeah. That, don't know the seeing better. it on TV thing <laughs> is really interesting because I do think that like, it's, I mean, obviously the like three month salary for your ring thing is a, that's like straight up advertising has yeah. caused that. But like, yeah, you want to have like the movie romance thing. And the thing that I, you did that I think is good that I think has been helpful for us is, my wife and I were together for like seven, no shit, eight years before we had a kid, almost nine years. I think, oh fuck, it'll be nine years before we had a kid. <laughs> Long time. We were married for several years. So we like got to like have a good relationship and yeah. not, it didn't, st one of the things that fucks people up at that age is like sometimes the relationship starts with fuck, we had sex and we're pregnant. No better reason to get married. Yes. <laughs> No better reason to make it legally binding yes. than by uh, knocking someone up. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, like, you know, I got to have a marriage before we had a kid. Yeah. I think what well, it does, it fosters, like, a mutual respect for one another, yeah. an actual relationship, a friendship, uh, a partnership, basically, to be able to, like, bring a child into the world and do what's best for them. You know, yeah. if, if you and your partner are on the same page. And uh, again, that, you know, the, the people, our friends that we all know that had kids much younger than the rest of us, yep. who knows if they had the ability to kind of like to build all of that yeah. beforehand. But some of the examples I know of, sure. they didn't really have the chance to do that. And, you know, over time that, that didn't uh, materialize maybe the way they had all hoped. So, yeah, it's tough. But I, I mean, I, I, I think that is the one benefit to being older. Now, when I'm 76 years old or whatever, yeah, <laughs> becoming course. a first time grandparent, I might look back on all this and be like, I wish I would have done it 10 years earlier. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy I am where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're not going to, you know, your kid's not going to play in the same professional league as you. That was all, that was what was fucked up about growing up in Seattle is the Griffey Senior, Griffey Junior thing. You'd be like, I want that. I want to be like, I want my kid to be that. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was in seventh grade, we had to do a career. Like, what are we going to be when we grow up? And sure. I had no clue because I'm, I mean, really, frankly, a 12-year-old should not know what they want to do. Well, when also, they grow your up. job didn't exist at that time in the world. Like, the job you have, like, most of these most tech jobs, jobs did most, not exist. <laughs> most people, I, I guarantee you, if I went back and we surveyed all the people in that class that I had to write that paper, I don't think any of them have the job yeah. they said they wanted. Because, yeah, you're right. Most, like, tech jobs were not a thing back then. I had one girl in my class say she wanted to be an anesthesiologist. And then I looked up <laughs> what an anesthesiologist was. And her reasoning was basically like it makes a lot of money which is kind of the reason a lot of us have our job now but it was i did find it kind of sad even then to be like you your thing is like well i want a stable career with good benefits you know like no have a fucking dream and then you'll fail at it like all of us do I just and then take know, a shitty job i want to know what went through the teacher's mind 
when they read when <laughs> yeah. they read that kid's paper. They're like, "This is a better job than what I have. Maybe I should <laughs> maybe I should contemplate a career change." Whereas when my teacher read mine, saying I wanted to be a professional baseball player, she was kind enough to give me a C plus anyway. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that was nice. I was like, "Thank you for not completely crushing my yeah. dream." <laughs> not that it ever was going to come to fruition, but. You know, when you're 12, you got a dream, man. Yeah. You got a dream. Do you want to talk about sports? Let's talk Let's about some sports. I think our, the first, this is a decent time. Speaking of uh, fathers and their kids, <laughs> here's one. <laughs> so LeBron James got uh, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, not just LeBron on his own against the against the uh, Denver Nuggets, got swept. It's, I mean, obviously, anytime LeBron does anything, it creates, we have to have, we have to relitigate the LeBron versus Michael Jordan conversation every year. Whatever the playoff outcome is, it has to be relitigated. I'm happy to do it if you want to. I think he's the greatest. It's not even just Jordan. I mean, because he's a Laker, it's LeBron, Kobe, LeBron, Jordan, and then he gets compared to his own contemporaries that he plays against, too. Well, and and the interesting thing about, LeBron Kobe is Kobe played his entire career in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. Michael Jordan didn't play his entire career in Chicago, but I think we would all just like to cut off those wizards ears and forget they happened and then <laughs> make them all, uh, make them all bulls years. Um, so he played like his prime throughout that. Yeah. So I think there's no doubt in my mind that LeBron James is the best player in the history of basketball. I do think it's also very obvious that Michael Jordan had a better career. Do you understand like the Yeah, the I get I get what you're saying. Like I if mean, you put we, if you put prime Michael Jordan against prime LeBron James, LeBron James is going to crush. Yeah, we could have this argument every week. I don't I don't necessarily agree or disagree with that point. I my stance on LeBron is that I think revisionist history on LeBron will be very kind to him. I think in the moment, it's tough. Just like I think with Kobe in the moment, and probably with Michael, granted we were probably still a little bit too young to really appreciate Michael's prime years, but in the moment, there's so much more scrutiny on these guys while they're playing. As soon as they're done playing, the revisionist history is so much kinder to them. You know, Think about how... how, uh, how great Kobe's image was after just in the few years after his retirement before his death, you Mm -hmm. know, like he was on top of the world. Then that's when the whole girl dad thing starts, you know, like he becomes like our inspiration. (laughs) I wouldn't have had a girl if it wasn't for him. Now I'm having two because of him. It's a Kobe time right there. Yeah. By the way, I will say this, my, uh, when this was fucked up, uh, when he crashed in the helicopter, yeah. and I've probably said this on this podcast, but I was in, I was driving to the Indianapolis airport and I had a like five month old daughter. And I'm, I mean, I was like, the first thing I thought of was him and his daughter being on that. And then like the family being left behind, the rest of the family being left behind. And it changes your whole view on that. Cause I like, like you really lose K- Kobe is like, his career is over. He yeah. got he got forty years or something out of or forty plus years out of his life. How tragic! Like I mean, I know this is a hilarious topic yeah. for us, yeah. but but it's like <laughs> you, it does fuck your it it just fucks up your whole not fucks up but probably actually improves your worldview to become a parent. Yeah, but I, you know I've been to the Indianapolis airport before. It's a pretty depressing place. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the whitewashed dentist office of airports. So I'm. 
there's a lot of better places you could have been to have to have faced that reality than the Indianapolis airport. I actually think, to be completely honest, I think I was in in an Applebee's, a literal Applebee's. It actually gets worse. Not a metaphorical (laughs) Applebee's, an Applebee's that was like outside of the airport, like maybe 20 miles away, waiting. I was in Plainfield, Uh, Indiana. That's how like an indie comedy movie would start. Yes. Yes, with Kobe Bryant dying. you, (laughs) You sitting at a... Indianapolis Applebee's, yes. single tear down yeah. your cheek, and one of those really tall cold beers. That yeah. they have. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe three of those really tall cold beers. I'm being honest, um, but so yeah, so LeBron. Uh, so I guess this is what I'll say. I think incredible career to this point. Theoretically, more to go. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, off the court, I can fully understand. How, despite like much like Michael Jordan, um, obviously Kobe has the one really bad mark on his record that we don't need to get into. But uh, outside of that, that thing, he had like a you know relatively clean reputation. Yeah, LeBron James is. Like, impeccable. We should love this guy on paper. We should love this guy. He's everything we love. He's this guy that played for his hometown team, married his high school sweetheart. He doesn't have legal problems. He doesn't have these, like, allegations of anything. And maybe they exist. Maybe it's like he'll be like Marvin Harrison where we find out (laughs) after his career that he was a complete maniac. But none of these things exist in his reputation right now. And I still understand how people are like, he, it's, to me, because he came up with, like, seeing the media and how they dealt with Michael Jordan, and then kind of the way Kobe dealt with the media feels like it was like a, to to a degree, a, a reaction to that. Like, there was more media training in the early parts of his career. Yeah. LeBron James feels like a fucking actor. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% get what you're saying. LeBron is the first athlete to really come up through the entire social media era. Right. When mainstream media has completely changed, you know, and what it means to be mainstream. I mean, I don't think any athlete has ever had more scrutiny upon them. Even, I mean... High school games being televised on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, compared to Kobe and Michael, they, they, they don't even know. Like, I, I remember watching the 30 for 30 on uh, Michael Jordan and how he would just go on the road and just sit in his his hotel room because he couldn't right. leave. And like when you watch the video footage of him leaving his his hotel, it's chaos. It's chaos. He has to have a group of handlers with him at all times or else right. who knows what would happen to this guy. And I'm sure the same goes for LeBron, you know, if he he probably can't leave his hotel room on right. the road either. But on top of that, you know, Michael could always escape because there was no social media. LeBron he doesn't really have that luxury. You know, there's always yeah. going to be, there's always going to be eyes on him in a way that there weren't on Michael Jordan and, and to some degree, Kobe Bryant. Um, so, you know, the one thing LeBron's always done really well is he's managed to like, keep that image very clean without seeming disingenuous, like a Russell Wilson would, you know, uh, your camera was working before. I know. I've this, looked at it many times. Your camera just really does it. It somehow you you get it to turn off. <laughs> so fucking. Every week it just decides I'm done now. I don't want to film this man anymore. 
I don't blame it. I don't blame it. All right, we can continue. We don't. We didn't lose too much. It's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, I think for LeBron, like he's just done a pretty good job remaining authentic while also remaining like a pretty good person. I think that just sure. means at the end of the day, like even though everybody wants to break a person like that down and find their flaws, like I think LeBron's actually a pretty good dude. I think that's more of a legacy than he'll have. You know, assuming that's true, that's a better legacy to have than being the best basketball player or second best or third best, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. There's Just um being a good person. I think it's Isaiah Thomas, the uh, former Washington Husky and a variety of NBA teams, including, I believe, the Cavaliers alongside Briefly. LeBron. He played yeah. for a lot of teams where he was just there for a short while. Yeah. Most notably the Celtics. Well, the and he was like on the verge of probably signing a huge contract. And then I believe it was his sister got killed in a car accident and he had like a degenerative hip condition discovered yeah. all in the same off season. Just such a brutal, yeah. brutal it stretch. It doesn't help when you're five, nine on top of that. And yeah. In the NBA. By yeah. the way, a, a Tacoma native and there's a place in town called the fish house, which is, uh, I walked in, it is in, uh, like 19th and, Martin Luther King, I think. It's across from the Azels. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And it's, uh, you walk in and there are Nation of Islam newspapers all over the place, which is uh, an odd, if you're <laughs> familiar with the Nation of Islam, is a strange experience to walk into a place and go, oh, I think these people hate me. Uh, <laughs> but they fucking have the best food. and But they also have uh, Isaiah Thomas pictures all over that place. Like yeah. he is the... The I mean, it is cool to see a place celebrate a guy that's like I mean, and a guy who's I, I've I met Isaiah Thomas at a at a Rainier's Bring Back Our Sonics event, and I was like, by the way, this was uh, when the Kings were potentially. And I used to not say this on podcast, but the Kings were like slated to be the Seattle yeah. SuperSonics, and he was playing for the Kings, and I go, he was. By the way, I also think perhaps slightly under the influence. And I go, uh, I was like, hey, man, I hope you're playing here next year. And he's like, yeah, man, me too. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, what a what a risk to take for a nobody. You're you know? telling me he didn't want to go back to Sacramento? <laughs> <laughs> this shocking news, shocking news. No, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like, the social media era with athletes is... Oh, I, I brought him up. The reason I brought him up, oh. completely unclear. <laughs> on his profile on Instagram, it says, uh, "If I'm if all I'm known for is being a great basketball player, I fucked up." And I think not that, but it's like roughly that summarized. Yeah. I don't think it says fucked up, but uh, that's kind of what you're saying about LeBron. Is like he's got yeah his legacy is so rich and like good, genuinely it is good. good. Yeah, no, and there's so many athletes that say those types of things. Where like I want to be known as more than an athlete, and you're like, all right, cool. And then they don't do anything to be more than an right. athlete, right? Like they're like, I want to be. We're more than just dribbling the basketball. It's like, well, you're not doing anything for the community, and you're not that entertaining online. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, what are you then? But yeah, LeBron, you, or and you're like, you know, at least by all the public measures, not a great parent. Say, I think that's what Isaiah <laughs> Thomas is saying. I should be, you know, I'm a good parent. Yeah, he's good. I actually he goes to the gym that I go to frequently, and I see him there, and he'll just bring his kids with him and they'll just shoot around like any other parent and their kids would, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's unique to see because here's like this hometown hero, just playing basketball with his kids at the gym in his hometown. But I mean, with like LeBron, LeBron has done so much 
where he doesn't have to. And I mean, anytime you have a lot of money and you're wealthy, uh, people will always try to break you down for that. You yeah. Know? And, and he's actually given a lot of his money to good causes. He's done as much as he possibly can. And, and for as much as people love Michael Jordan, like he wasn't known for philanthropy. <laughs> he just wasn't yeah. like, I'm sure he was doing things, but, it, and, and, and there's, again, this is where you kind of have to straddle the line. There's like, I'm sure Michael Jordan did a lot of philanthropy that we'd never heard about. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have someone like Russell Wilson who lets you know every time he does anything good. Yeah. And then somewhere in the middle is a guy like LeBron James who's done a ton of philanthropy. A lot of it gets documented. A lot of it we probably don't even see. But even just the amount that you see that's documented is a lot more than most people. So LeBron gets swept by the Nuggets. And we have the other unfortunate thing about being a professional athlete is in your moment of greatest frustration, someone puts a microphone in front of your face, a camera in front of your face, and you say things, which I don't think he says. He's very, he's again, he's very good at it. He's very measured. No, There might not be a better speaker in sure. sports right now than LeBron James. So basically the, the subject of what he's going to do going forward comes up and we'll play the... It's okay. I don't, I don't like to say it's a successful year because I don't play for anything besides winning championships at this point in my career and um and i don't i don't don't get a kick out of making a conference appearance do you know what this hat is it's a it says un i don't think it's united nations (laughs) you you're a hat guy he's a big kofi Annan (laughs) fan uh i i yeah i am i don't know that one i he had a Dude, NATO hat on last week, actually. There's a there's a kind of like a streetwear brand called Undefeated, which it possibly could be, but usually they just put their logo on it, not the... Gotcha. I'm sure it's probably some hat that costs like $400, and that's why we have no idea what the exactly. brand is. That, and I, I would hope he also has like a stake in it, because you see him come out, he's it's like... It's a cool like, hat. I like the hat. I like yeah, the Yeah, it, it does looks. look like Shoeless Joe Jackson would be wearing it a little bit. Like there's. Yeah, I like a good like uh, white or cream... Uh, cap with sure. like a dark brim. I gotcha. think that's a really good look. You can't wear it more than like twice. I know it'll get dirty <laughs> immediately. I don't even wear white shirts anymore. I'm like, I can't. I get. No. I will spill on it. There's yeah, no there's there. no. There's no reason to to put yourself. You're wearing at a white hat like right now. I know, but I hardly ever wear this hat. Gotcha. This was a special. This is day. like time number three. Announcing so. the child on the podcast. <laughs> Done it a lot, and. <laughs> And it's not fun to me to not be able to be able to be a part of, uh, you know, getting to the finals. But um, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. And um, just for me personally, going, going forward with the game of basketball, I got a lot to think about. Appreciate it. Okay, so I think I uh, I might have I might have edited around or, or missed the part where he basically he's making an allusion to he might retire, and I feel like this is kind of one of those things that we're going to see athletes start to do because we probably saw a lot of it around the time when Jordan retired and then like Robert Smith retired. If you remember, there were guys who retired early. We're starting to see a lot of NFL players retire early. Yeah, but they're seeing players retire early. But then there's this uptick, it feels like, in guys talking about it when they never actually seem to actually plan on retiring. This is a... Man, this is going to be a bad... (laughs) 
<laughs> a really bad comparison, but playing softball and being 38, the same age as LeBron, again, bad example. Sure. But I will say I play with a lot of older dudes that are like 50s and 60s, and I watch them play, and I'm like, man, I really hope I'm not playing at that age. Damn. And they're t- like – There'll be times, there was a time yesterday, I was chasing down a ball that hit the fence, and it's a little wet out there, and I slip, and I fall, and I like catch myself, but it's not graceful, and at that moment, I felt so old. Yeah. <laughs> and LeBron is also 38, playing at a, a sport that is designed for kids, basically. Yeah. And I'm sure in a moment like this, where he just got swept, and just watched everybody around him, including himself, suck in his own mind it's gotta you gotta feel like i don't ever want to go through this again so it's probably time for me to walk away and then he'll wake up a couple days from now and he'll know that he's still one of the best basketball players on earth and he'll be back so you think it's fully genuine you think oh i think absolutely yeah because dude if you if hey i again the the rec sports i play on days that we get our asses kicked i'm like i say to myself that day i'm like i don't think i'm gonna it's not worth the $90 league fee. I'll probably just quit the rest of the season and not come back. And then I always come back the next yeah. week. I always come back, even when we're getting smoked. <laughs> because there's a part of you as a competitor that maybe naively believes you're always going to win. You know, It's like you saw it with Kobe at the end of his career. He was so banged up coming back from a torn Achilles, but he still stuck it out, even when it, to the detriment of his team, some might sure. say. LeBron isn't hurting his team. If anything, it's remarkable to watch a guy that age still carry the load in any sport. I mean, you just don't see it that often. I guess you, you could compare it to like Tom Brady, but that's a it's a different position. A quarterback sure. has some longevity to be, you know, this kind of like shooting guard, power forward hybrid the way LeBron is and still perform at such a high level. It's it's really remarkable. So I think, you know, for LeBron I totally believe – I understand what he's going through to some degree. I believe him when he says he's going to consider it. I also don't take what he said that he has a lot to think about to mean he's going to retire. I like, think there was a part where he actually – hold on. Let me see if I can get the, the right quote because there's – I do think there was a quote that was a little more – that's what I'm saying. I think I – oh, no, this is more about your son or your, your buddy Brawny James. You you really <laughs> love Brawny James, who we never – we didn't cover it, but I believe uh, committed to uh, – to USC. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be a Pac-12 basketball player. He's going to put up 30 points on the Washington so, Huskies next year, most likely. So this this didn't get included. I, I, in fact, it might have come after where our video cut off, but it's uh, um, ESPN followed up with him after that video. He said, when you say you got to think about stuff, what thread should we be pulling on that? Uh, and then he said, if I want to continue to play. So that's him acknowledging that he's talking about retirement. And then as in next year, yeah, you would walk away. I got to think about it. So to me, there's a part of this and I, and maybe I'm, this is like the, the actor, like LeBron is his, there's so many histrionic, like dramatic things about LeBron to me. He, I think that even like this, and I don't, I don't hate this on its face, but like the throwing the fucking chalk up in the air. It's all like, there's so much theater in what he does that I feel like, I feel like he is doing, he's cosplaying as Michael Jordan almost where it's like Michael Jordan was a fucking lunatic. Yeah. I, man, I think the difference between LeBron 
and Jordan and Kobe. I always put all three of them together because I sure. think Jordan and Kobe are very similar. You know, they did the well, same. Well, they all three played the same, essentially the same position also. Yeah, more or less. I think with Jordan. Ball handling guard forward, like. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I think that just the way that the games evolved kind of changes their positions a little bit. But the the point remains. I mean, they're basically all like the best shooting guard of their era. Kind sure. Of thing. With LeBron, it's. You know, there's a theater aspect to it, but he also seems pretty self-aware where Kobe and Michael kind of lacked self-awareness at times. I mean, that's why you saw Michael go drag the Wizards down with him. Yeah. That's why you saw Kobe drag the Lakers down for the last couple of years. Oh, that's ca- interesting. Kind of like hamstring that franchise. They couldn't they were paying him money and they couldn't like go through their rebuild that they needed to go through. Right. And granted, I mean, the Lakers, they have a ton of money. They're able to rebound just by throwing money at guys like LeBron. But for those last couple of years of Kobe and for Michael, they weren't helping their team. They I weren't th- even that good. They were shells of their former selves. LeBron is far from a shell of his former self, and he's still a good player. And I think at the back of his mind, he has that worry that he doesn't want to become like they were at the end. He wants to be. Right. And I think when your team loses a, a playoff series 4-0, you look around and like even if you know deep down that you were not the reason, like maybe all your performances were good enough to win, you still lost four nothing, and I think that's again another area where he separates himself from Michael and Kobe. Is he understands his role with the team? He understands that if everybody around him isn't playing well, then that reflects on him. And yeah. I don't think Michael and Kobe ever necessarily did that as much. Now, so I think in this moment, though, I think that he is to we we've used cosplaying too many times in this episode <laughs> for my comfort, but he's. I think there's a thing that he is doing could because he's been so calculated for his entire career. There's a thing that he's doing here that's like it's like he's pretending he is having this. It's like a fully emotional decision, as opposed it, like yeah. It almost feels like he's. It's like calculated to even have this retirement. Like uh, hemming and hawing, you know. I for whatever reason I buy it with LeBron. I don't know. I've, I've you're fo- the guy. I followed him on Twitter for a really long time, and like if Ohio State football is playing, this dude will be like live tweeting his reactions to it in like the the way that any other dumbass sports fan would. That's good. I like. That. And it's just like that's not something like most athletes would ever do. Sure. <laughs> he's just such a big. He's like he seems so genuine and the way that he carries himself, like him tweeting about Ohio state football is probably a blemish on his record. If you actually go through all those tweets, you'd be like, man, this guy is like too reactionary, (laughs) but he does it anyway. And I'm sure people have probably told him like, Hey man, just maybe like not so much. And he's like, whatever, man, this is what makes me happy and how I'm reacting to the moment. So it seems to me that because he seems more self-aware than a lot of athletes of his stature, because he has always more or less carried himself in an authentic manner. Like I actually buy that he considers it. I think he'll be back because I sure. think his I think he really does want to play with his son. Yeah. Whether that I don't think he's gonna like hold a franchise hostage to like make sure his son is on his team with him. But I think he just wants to be one of those guys that can say, hey, at the same time, there was a time where me and my son shared a basketball court at the highest level in the NBA. So I think he'll probably stick it out till then. I, then I think he's done. You think one year with Bronny? I mean, I think that's all he needs. Gotcha. I okay. Mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of people forget that uh, 
Ken Griffey Sr. stuck around for a second year with the Mariners, and it did not go well. Sure. And he got he ended up getting released, I believe, about halfway through that season. But you can always hang on a little too long. And I think he just – LeBron seems like one of those guys that is very aware of not hanging around too long. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, – so there's a couple – we have a couple other topics written down here. One is that Tom Brady – is buying part of the Raiders. The only thing about this that's interesting to me is it's so similar to... Did you ever watch the show Ballers? I don't think so. What was Ballers? Ballers is The Rock. Oh, yeah. No, I did. I know the show. I didn't watch it. Oh, my God. It's actually very good. It's about sports agents, right? Yeah, but The Rock is like a former player, Mm -hmm. and it starts out as like he's trying to be, you know, create like kind of a sports agency, and then it evolves into it's like before the Raiders have decided to move to Las Vegas. Sure. And they, you know, they do like a couple of cool storylines on it where he's like in Oakland talking to a guy that's from Oakland, like a, like a dude that's lived in Oakland his whole life. Old guy. That's like going to be sad when they leave. Also, he's talking to a prospective Vegas owner gets fucked over all these things. Yeah. But it's just, it's so interesting to me. It's also like Tom Brady has played for two franchises. Yeah. He has won Super Bowls in both of those stops. There were rumors all offseason that he was going to come be a Raider, and then he decided to retire. Or, yeah, Raiders and Niners was it what everyone kept hearing. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I think Josh McDaniels is in. Yeah. Is still in. Uh, yeah, so anyways, Jimmy Garoppolo ends up there. Um, it, <laughs> I mean, doesn't it kind of feel like this – has Jordan to the Wizards potential? It's like uh, it's like in Major League Two when Roger Dorn buys the team and then activates himself when things are going poorly. Sure. That's that's what that's Brady's dream. He probably watched Major League Two right before he bought into the Raiders and was like, "I could do this too." Well, so and I wonder what like if he owns part of a team, he put it in his retirement paperwork. But I wonder how that changes like everything his broadcasting career and stuff like that well but even like that's true too his broadcasting career does he become if he's one of the owners he now gets to go in and go no you gotta fucking release me from this deal i i to me this (laughs) i I really genuinely feel like this makes it more likely that he also it's it's interesting to me that these guys brady also had a golden boy image actually despite like having some off the field issues in not only like related to football, but he's got the wonderful Bridget Moynihan's child. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then Giselle and the divorce and all this crap that I, I don't actually care about all that much, but for LeBron wants to put a basketball team in Vegas, Brady wants to put, or wants to be part of this ownership group in Vegas. And I, Part of it is like these guys are probably just actually smart businessmen. I think LeBron is actually a very for, for he's LeBron is the best argument for not making players go to college because he's gotten like a full occupational education alongside becoming yeah. the best basketball player ever he, in my opinion. LeBron's producing movies now. I mean, right. like he does he he's Followed the Jay Z path of like kind of spreading yourself all over the place as yeah. a mogul, you know. But what Brady's doing seems like the uh, it's becoming like the playbook for retired Hall of Fame athletes, like uh, Jordan, like you said, sure. buying into the uh, the Char- well first the Charlotte Bobcats, then they became the Hornets. Jeter did it with the Marlins. It's like yeah. neither one of those guys had any sort of affiliation with those teams, really. 
but they just wanted to own a team. The difference between the Marlins and the Hornets is I'm sure those guys are making their money because sports ownership is just you're just printing money basically, even yep. with the worst teams typically. But those two te- those two franchises are nothing compared to the Raiders. The Raiders are they're an iconic franchise, even though they haven't been good in the last you know twenty years or so. Yeah, they they're still an iconic brand, and they are in Las Vegas. Brady's going to make a lot of money just being a part of this, I'm sure. Yeah, well, and, that was the thing that was always so frustrating about Howard Schultz saying talking about operating losses. Yeah, it's like, well, the team is appreciated in value by like several folds. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, no, sports ownership is a it's a lucrative place to be. That's why I mean, man, we see it here in Seattle with the Mariners all the time, and it's like you guys always make it sound like you're hard up for cash when you don't go out and sign free agents. And the reality is you're far from that. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. Actual cash is like a whole different, that's like meaningless. Yeah. And, uh, when you're that rich. Yeah. No one cares how much you have in your wallet. When yeah. You, what you actually have is much more than that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Glenn Kuyper, the guy that we talked about a couple of weeks ago from uh, Oakland A's announcer ends up getting fired. One thing that I will say, and, I, and this is again, like we have to, we have to kind of parse the legitimacy of it, and and we're not the people to do it because neither of us have inside information. They the Oakland A's said that their investigation uncovered stuff that was not included in like the public outcry or whatever. Yeah, which is <clears throat> it's a very convenient blanket statement to make. Oh, it could range from we found out he actually is a racist that right. meant to drop. That seems to be the implication. Yeah, By the way. that that meant to drop this terrible, terrible word on the broadcast, or it could be like, yeah, we found out he was showing up late from time to time. It's right. a it's a wide ranging statement. I, I would hope like if they actually uncovered that this guy is kind of racist, like just say that so like people sure. understand, so that he's not going out and you know people have a different impression of him or think he got a raw deal. Uh, but obviously, you know they took a look at this and there was more to it than him just saying one having one big mistake on air it seems right. like there was more to it than that well so the the implication and again neither of us know if it's fair so that's the problem is give us the information give us the actual information. this is one of those situations where obviously no private entity is required to give you information but you might want to yeah. <laughs> yes. this one might be helpful yeah I mean, he's not necessarily a sympathetic guy, but anyway. uh, And then before we have our home run game, we just haven't ever talked about this guy on the podcast, I don't think, before. Uh, Jared Kelnick is having a hell of a year, and he's he had like a hot stretch, and I don't he's not maintaining that you know unsustainable level of production. Yeah. But Jared Kelnick is a guy very interesting to me because the Mariners fan base, probably every fan base. Very quick to turn on prospects who are not for f- fulfilling their potential. Not pro- not even just prospects. It's everybody. Anyone who comes to Seattle and does not fulfill their potential, whether they're a prospect, a free agent, they could be the manager, they could be the hitting coach, it doesn't matter. No yeah. no town is quicker to run people out than Seattle. Yeah, and, I, and maybe that's not I – mean, maybe every place is like that. I maybe. don't know that for sure. feels like we are a little bit more unfair, but I'm yeah. also the one like at the front of the pack – leading sure, the charge so sure. i so, get it because I, I i remember my my um there's a seattle sports analyst we'll call him who i used to work with and uh he i remember when the marco gonzalez tyler o'neill trade happened i hated it the day it happened 
And then he was like doing victory laps when Marco had one decent year. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Fucking whatever Tyler O'Neill does, the Mariners won the trade, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now Tyler O'Neill has not turned into some world beating, but I, th- I do think he was. Uh, so was he an all-star? No, does not. Oh, no, he, not he, an all-star, but in 2021, eighth in the MVP voting. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's two been, gold gloves. He's been okay. He's been he's been very volatile. He will have a good year and then a really really bad year, and now he's kind of like settled into being like a, almost what I would consider a fourth outfielder type, which is not. I do think the Mariners actually won that. We don't need to get into. Oh details, my god! Here's, do, what, but, here's uh, what, but, but here's what here because I hated the trade too. I hated the Marco for Tyler O'Neill trade, and the reason why is because Tyler O'Neill's value at the time as basically the Mariners' top prospect was much higher than kind of a post-hype pitching prospect in Marco Gonzalez, who was never going to be more than like a third starter on a good team. Sure. Which even still, you could argue that like, even if Tyler O'Neill becomes an all-star, a perennial all-star, even a a third starting pitcher might be more valuable than that. So you could argue that the trade was always going to be okay. I just thought they could have got more for him. And that's what a lot of people were upset about in the moment. But I do think the Mariners have slightly won the trade. I think. Hold on. Let's now. You've you've. <laughs> We've really gone, gone off the path like of what to, we were going to talk fine. about. Uh, so Tyler O'Neill to me though is a guy that's like a <laughs> cautionary. That by the way, that 2021 year, he's obviously never matched it. That's a nearly six wins above replacement season. I just want to see. <clears throat> we're doing the real time accounting, which is fun for everybody that's listening. <laughs> uh, so, Marco Gonzalez has played considerably more. Um, he's been on the roster considerably. Ah, this is actually not, I don't think this is that damning to him. Um, 9.9 wins above replacement. What was Tyler O'Neill's wins above replacement? 8.6. Pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Tyler O'Neill is 27, almost 28 years old. Marco Gonzalez is 30, 31 years old. I think, uh, Tyler O'Neill is making, well, he not, I don't think he's making considerably less money. It's closer to break even than I thought. But Jared Kelnick. It's a pretty even trade. I mean, it's one of those trades where you could kind of argue that both teams did okay. I mean, neither one is, like, thrilled, but they're they're both – I would say the Mariners are probably closer to thrilled because Marco carried the load for the pitching staff for a few years. Fine. And now he's a solid fifth starter. So the Jared Kelnick trade is – you're talking, like, the husk of Robinson Cano. And what was it? Was that – no, not, that wasn't JJ Putts. That was the one that no, brought no, that Jason was like Vargas here. Ten, ten years. Who, am I, who was the who was the reliever that went with? Was there a reliever? Yeah, we, we sent Cano and we sent. Uh, oh, the weed. The, the, yeah, that was. I immediately caught myself. The Mariners sent Cano and they sent Edwin Diaz. They had to. That's right, Edwin Diaz. They had to and, include and, Edwin and, Diaz to offset the giant contract that came with Cano. Yeah, and Diaz has had like incredibly large swings in productivity. From being, like, on the verge of being DFA'd, it seemed like, to, like, the highest paid reliever in, in yeah. all of... He, he's been the best reliever in baseball uh, at times, for yes. sure. Uh, but just, just, if you could get nothing for that package, yeah, that was remarkable. To get top prospects, and I, and I don't remember if you, if you remember the story... The Mets actually wanted to give up more. Jeff McNeil. Yeah. yeah, that was a really. I remember when that trade came out, and the original, uh, the original package was everything as we saw it, as it ultimately ended up being, plus 
the Mets were going to give the Mariners Jeff McNeil, who has been a pretty good like second base outfielder player yeah. for a number of years for them. He would have been he would have fit in perfectly on this team. He would have solved a huge problem yeah. for them at second base. And uh, I think I remember that trade rumor being out for like a few hours, and then suddenly the trade package changed, and it's almost like the Mets floated it out there to see how people would react, and they reacted so poorly. To the Mets side of it, they're like, all right, we got to change. I actually, here. my understanding is it's not like that. That's, exa- that's exactly what happened. That's my. I believe it because they're shady like that. The New York Mets. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. No, McNeil would have been, that would have been, because at the time he was like one of those guys that was, I think he was either at AAA or just broken into the majors, but he yeah. was kind of like an older prospect, like a 25 year old type prospect. And it was clear he could hit, and he and he's yeah. shown that over the last few years. Low ceiling, high floor, yeah. but a very good prospect. But Kelnick was just—I mean, Kelnick was one of the top prospects in baseball, and he he obviously has maintained that as he was coming up with the Mariners. And the last couple of years have not been very kind to him, and now all of a sudden he's really like turned the corner. And I don't know if you saw the piece. You know, a few weeks back in the athletic about his offseason transition. That was a mm. lot has been made about that, about the hitting work that he did in the offseason uh, with some private hitting coaches that uh, really kind of revamped his whole swing, not just his swing, but his mindset and his approach sure. to, to hitting. And that seems to have worked. I mean, sometimes all it takes is just, it's like with golf, you know, as, as two people who golf very mediocre. Yes. In uh, you and I. You know, sometimes all it takes is watching a video or just tweaking one thing, and all of a sudden it all clicks. Yeah, and that seems to be the case with uh, with Kelnick. Something clicked in the off season for him, and he's he's playing so well. It, it, to me, it always seemed ludicrous that fans wanted to give up on a guy who was 22 years old last year, trying to find his way in Major League yeah. Baseball. He's only 23 now. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's the it's the in the same way that it was insane for uh, for people to penalize LeBron for bringing bad teams dragging bad teams to the finals yeah. the same way that is the in, in the same way they're like penalizing Kelnick for being a good enough prospect that he came up earlier than most prospects would and yeah. most of the guys who become prospects who are successful at 23 24 in the majors got to go struggle in silence struggle in anonymity essentially at a triple a ball club and Kelnick had to do it uh, in the majors. It's also, um, so I, I, my, my home run game guy is kind of like this, by the way. Like Kelnick? Yeah. Do we want to get into the home? We got, first off, I think one, look, we got to get some production on this. I know this is me saying it to you, even though it's going to be me. That's the one that does it. You're not going to start <laughs> like playing. I, I would like to get a home run game song. So if you're out there, fuck it, me in the ass. This stupid camera. I think I know. I think I know what's wrong with it. But uh, you just need God, to tell me what to damn push. Damn it! It's the just... it's the button closest to you towards the middle. Almost there. That one right there. Well, don't do okay. it now. Oh, no, I yes. got it. I got it for future reference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, for future reference, you just turned it. It's off now. <laughs> oh. God damn it! It might be. It might be done for. Hold on. Let me. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Hold on. Before it. before the it. home run game, let's let's. I just can can I say one more thing about Kelnick while you're doing that? I think a lot, what a lot of people don't know about Jared Kelnick is he was kind of raised as a a baseball robot by his dad. His dad is a a baseball coach of some repute in Wisconsin. And if you've ever heard the story of like Todd Marinovich, the former quarterback 
Uh, his dad basically raised him to be like this cyborg football player, and it really messed him up in a lot of ways. He never succeeded in the NFL as a result. Uh, and off the field, he had a ton of problems. I don't think it nearly as bad for Jared Kelnick, but I think the reality of his upbringing made it so he wasn't possibly prepared mentally for the rigors of Major League Baseball or professional baseball as a whole. And now that he's had a couple go-rounds with it already, I think for him it's maybe starting to click and he's like able to find a little bit of his own identity, not just in, in the confidence that comes with playing better, but just having been here a couple years now and, and having the same teammates, having the same manager, having some consistency that he's probably never had before at the, the lower levels or as he was coming up. And just even just becoming an adult, making friends and all those things. I think he's such a player that thrives on confidence and mindset. You see it like in years past when he'd strike out and go into the dugout and start smashing something with his sure. bat. It's like that, that kind of just that kind of reaction kind of speaks to maybe his immaturity or his inability to be prepared for this, you know, this journey through major league baseball. And now I think it's finally all coming together for him. It's great to see, because obviously it's helping our team and the Mariners have not been very good this year and they would be much worse without Jerry yeah. Kelnick. That's, I mean, that's the truth. Okay. So we've given up on the camera. There's, I know, I think I know the problem, but we're not going to fuck with it right now. <laughs> the guy who is like him that I'd like to talk about in our home run game. Sure. Because Kelnick is like Uber prospect comes to Seattle, struggles, common story. We've seen this all the time. There was a time when that wasn't always the case. There was a time when some of baseball's best prospects came through Seattle and became incredibly good players in Seattle. Ken Griffey Jr., Randy Johnson, Alex Rodriguez. Obviously, other guys develop. Edgar Martinez. Sure. If you ever go look at Edgar Martinez's stat lines, it's easy to forget how amazing a hitter he was. And I'm a guy, by the way, who I don't, I don't have a problem with Edgar being in the hall. But what I did have a problem with is this idea that because he was the quote-unquote best DH, DH isn't a position. It's a it's the absence of a position. Oh, you're one of those guys. Yes, but <laughs> I will say I don't think that means that he should be judged. He sh no DH should ever be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, He should be judged against the best hitters of his time, and he was absolutely one of the best hitters of his time. Yeah, for sure. So... I still have no problem with him going in. I just always thought that that logic was flawed. But there was a guy, the first guy I remember the Mariners really like bringing up that had all of the prospect hype that I could remember. Oh, I was I almost brought it up on the screen oh, where you would have just that. seen you would oh. have just seen the home run. Read the home runs right off. Yeah. <laughs> you just go, "Huh, I'm really wondering what they are." Um, Jose Cruz Jr. Oh, yeah, Jose Cruz Jr. That was a big deal. Everybody thought he was going to be like the next Ken Griffey Jr. because his dad was also a, a major right. leaguer, and he had Junior in his name, and he was an outfielder, and he was going to solve the Mariners' left field problem. Like, Ken Griffey played he played next to more left fielders than, like, anybody in history. It seemed yeah. like he had a different one every game, and Jose Cruz was going to stabilize the position, and uh, he did not. <laughs> he was, well. He was involved in what, at the time, was considered one of the worst trades in Mariners' history. Yes. Uh, so so he comes up, by the way, also, he had the thing going that, um, like, Griffey, A-Rod, and him, just, like, hot dudes, like, <laughs> hot young dudes playing The Mariners baseball. were just a team of hot young dudes. Yes. And, and uh, but also, like, I, I'm, I'm, oh, fuck, I'm getting a call from the uh, 
can, can I Jesus, <laughs> take can I take this? We can just edit that out. Hot um, young dudes. Hot, hot young dudes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and also these guys. Not only are they not only are they hot, but they're like top prospects. Like they're, and the, they're the Mariners were on that like amazing stretch of just hitting on prospects left and right. And if they weren't hitting on them. They were trading them in good deals. If they weren't things. hitting on them, their female fans were. <laughs> uh. They had a lot of success with their minor league system in the 90s. So, yeah, everyone thought. Literally Cruz just was gonna... did the thing I said I wasn't going to do and pulled Jose Cruz. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, I, I didn't know. See I know. It. I know. I we're good. Uh, it's very annoying to search for a person who is a junior on your phone because you're like, you have to get all the way into this stupid fucking page before you. Um, <laughs> Jose Cruz, man, he was. I remember when the day that that trade went down, uh, I, I was like a 14, 13 or 14 year old kid. So I never really listened to sports radio at that point. Cause sure. what kind of kid does, but I do remember Me, turning on, the way. yeah, I turned on sports radio that day to hear the reaction of that trade. Cause that was the first trade. I was like, what in the world are the Mariners doing? And then shortly thereafter, they make that trade that involved Jason Veritek, which ended up being much worse. Jason yes. Veritek and Derek Lowe. That one actually did hurt for a long time. It turned out Cruz for, Mike Timlin and Paul Spaljeric didn't actually hurt them that bad because Cruz never, he never became what everyone thought he would. He you just, know what's funny is Mike Timlin in my mind has just become Mike Tomlin. I just forgot completely that Mike Timlin had a different last name. They look alike, so you're good there. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, they're virtual twins. <laughs> okay, how long did Jose Cruz end up playing? So he played 12 years. Spend time in Seattle, Toronto, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Arizona, Boston with the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Houston Astros, which is surprising to me. I knew he bounced around. That's a lot of teams. He became like, uh, yeah, he was like the hired gun at the end of the yeah. the end of his career. Nine teams where teams thought he would just come in and be that left-handed bat off the bench that they wanted, and he just he never could stick. Okay, so 12, 12 years. Uh, I mean, I've played I played fantasy baseball for his entire career, and I never remember him being much of anything. Yeah. So he wasn't hitting the ball too well. He was hitting the ball okay. He was probably like in a good year hitting 15 home runs and averaging probably around probably right around there. I don't know. 10 I'll just say he probably hit 105 home runs. 204 home runs. Oh, shit. This is your biggest miss by it's I think my biggest by a lot. Miss. I really underestimate. I mean percentage-wise it's got to be it's almost 100% miss. <laughs> That's crazy. So yeah, I didn't think he would have got that high. I didn't think he was twenty home runs a year. I keep hoping. I keep thinking I'm missing it, and it's it was actually doubles. So what's interesting about him is he actually got traded. I thought he got traded like after his first year. He got traded halfway through his first year. Yeah, it was a huge deal, man. He the Mariners hit, never even really gave him a chance. He well, but he also played pretty well in Seattle. He two sixty eight. 315, 541 is the triple slash line. 12 home runs in half a season. This is this is the problem with the 90s that I'm surprised I haven't missed like that on more players because that those numbers in the 90s were bad. They weren't good. I mean, again, you look sure. back on it now and you're like, those are great numbers for today's game. But in the 90s, in the steroid era, yeah. 268 wasn't going to cut it unless you were hitting 40 bombs a year. You were either hitting 40 bombs and hitting 250 like Jay Buhner or you had to be like around 300. But that's a guy, that's a that's a rookie. 
Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. I mean, and that's part of the reason why everyone was so pissed about the trade. Is like this dude actually showed something, but he never really maintained it. Second place in the rookie of the year voting. Can you take a guess who won first place that year? Was that ninety seven? Um, I believe it was ninety seven. First, first year was ninety seven. Uh, I will be impressed, even though this person no more Garcia Parra. That was that's it. Yeah, and no more Garcia Parra. By the way, as a shortstop, thirty home runs. Yeah. Uh, led the league in hits, which is amazing. Nomar was a revelation early in his career. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. wow. What a, what a, what a but, miss. Oh, so he also, by the way, the game. 2001, <laughs> 2002, I believe, or maybe it was 2000, 2001, 30 plus home runs two years in a row, but never makes yeah. an all-star game. Yeah. No, he, he, he just kind of, I mean, and he had no, he had no connection to any one team. I, I think of him as a blue Jay more than anything, but I definitely remember him playing, Somewhat of an extended period of time for the yeah. Giants, and then no no other team really rings a bell. Sure. So yeah, it's just weird. He had no team affiliation, no All Stars, and against the '90s numbers, man. I mean, he's they just never measured up. I know. Now that he's now that I don't have to worry about you seeing it, his uh, career wins above replacement higher than I would have thought. Nineteen point six wins above. Yeah, replacement. yeah. He had a pretty nice career. Maybe that trade did hurt us more. Than, <laughs> yeah, more than I thought. Well, I, nobody named Spol Jarek is going to be a good player that's, I don't know what they were rule. thinking trading their top prospect for two relief pitchers and not like two Edwin Diaz's like yeah. two pretty average relief pitchers well that was the time though that's what that one of the things that A's took advantage of is you could make these trades for like just these generic middle relievers and have them you know and get like a couple prospects like real prospects yeah, I mean it but was also nuts. prospects meant nothing then teams are a lot better at, at deciding who is a prospect now yeah. Why, why am I having such a hard time getting... I wanted to see his fan graphs wins by replacement. 19.5, pretty damn good career, actually. Yeah, he didn't... Outside of his very, very last season, he was always positive yeah. war. That's pretty good. All right, I've got one for you. You pulled La- Lou Gehrig on me last Uh-oh. week. Oh, I fucked up. But I'm not going to do somebody from the 20s. I'm going to give you another Yankee who many consider to be the greatest baseball player of all time. Not Babe Ruth. <laughs> Derek Jeter. This is going to be, I feel like this is a tougher one than most people might think because no one remembers any Derek Jeter home runs. You just don't remember Derek Jeter home runs. You remember the defensive plays that were like, quote unquote, great plays that were actually not that great Mm because anyone should have been able to make them. He just made them look ridiculously good. Yeah. Uh, But we all know Derek Jeter. He plays 20 years in the major leagues. Um, plays for a long time, very productive for most of those, mostly stays healthy. Um, he goes to the all-star game, like all but one, two, all but five of those years. So 15 time all-star first ballot hall of famer. Uh, again, not really a home run hitter, but he plays, he comes up in the mid nineties, plays until 2014, uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to give you. You know all that needs yeah. to be known about Derek Jeter. So, yeah, Jeter famously also, like, the Yankees were on the verge of an Alex Rodriguez trade, I believe, and before he ended up actually – no, wait, no, maybe I'm full of shit. Maybe he was going to play alongside Garcia Parra because that was a deal too, and, and Garcia Parra would have moved to third. Yeah, anyway. Those three had a weird relationship. Remember yeah. that? They would talk about how like they'd all sleep over at each other's houses in yes. the 90s. And I think they all separately dated Madonna. Uh, <laughs> and Miguel Tejada just gets forgotten because he was like very, very good, but we're like, ah, he's he not good. like – and is 
Miguel Tejada a Hall of Famer? I don't even want to look no, it up. No, no, okay. I'm pretty sure he's not a Hall of Famer. He probably should be. That's what we'll look that he up. He could be considered for sure. He might have got popped once for steroids. He might have got popped once. So yeah. there were always Derek Jeter also had those Ichiro rumors where it was like, well, if he wanted to hit 35 home runs a year, he could, but he chooses to be a contact hitter, which that's I'd, that's bullshit. Yeah, I, every I, time people say that, you're like, come on, man. <laughs> I'm gonna go the average Derek Jeter year is roughly. 15 home runs and he played so long and though his defense was probably never great he played a lot like he played and his bat was always pretty decent I'm gonna say the peak were like low 20s maybe 25 home runs I bet you he never hit 30 home runs just gotta talk through the whole process like one Alex Akita does (laughs) I'm gonna I get. F- I feel like I expedite the process. My my <laughs> suspicion is, I think you feel like that because you're the one saying it. Uh, my suspicion is that late in his career he dropped. I'm going. Two hundred seventy-five home runs. I could tell by the way the process was going that you were going to get a lot closer to this than. I anticipated you would, and I was correct because he hit 260 home runs. Pretty goddamn. So good. you're only 15 away. Yeah, I, I, you were right. I mean, the the most he ever hit in a season was 24 in 1999. He was generally he had a lot of seasons around you know, 10 home runs. Sure. Towards the end, he basically wasn't hitting any. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you you kind of hit it right on the nose. The process works, man. The process does work. It's also he, the unfortunate thing about him and Gehrig are these are like career stat lines that we are very familiar with. You know what I mean? We're familiar that they we know they were very good players, but mm-hmm. we don't really know like because again, Jeter, no one even thinks about his home runs. Sure, you can see I I can picture his home run swing. It's that weird inside out swing where the ball scrapes the right field fence as it's going out and you're like that shouldn't even count <laughs> yeah he had a he had a body that made you think he was gonna be a pull hitter yeah and he just like flicked the ball the other way he kind of did what edgar always did but edgar made it look better man <laughs> jeter's swing just looked painful and you're like jeter is six foot three 195 pounds that's what he's listed at and his swing no one would ever look at Derek jeter's swing and say what a beautiful what a right. beautiful swing no Am I, am I right? This is a we, much of this has happened in the years that I um, have had a child, which has become the theme of this. Yeah, Tejada's not in the Hall of Fame. Is A Rod also not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, he's. I mean, A Rod. Well, he'll probably never get in. He'll get in. This they gotta get rid of the. Everybody was using steroids. I would bet. Yeah. A lot of money that Derek Jeter at some point had a substance that was banned if, in his If system. Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez were as close to friends as they both claimed to be, right? Jeter was at the very least tempted by steroids. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm uh the I, I'm done caring about steroids. Do you where do you fall on that? Do you have any opinion? Yeah, my opinion is bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> Four more years. <laughs> right. More All steroids. Right. Let's go. Thank you.